Hey folks, welcome back to Eat Well Podcast. Um, I'm continuing on with my, my series of just catching up with some of my uh, favorite hunters in my community that are doing interesting things and have been on interesting hunts. And, and this week I'm hanging out with uh, Kelly Molner from the Rookie Hunter Podcast. And I, I'm really pleased to have him here. There's a bunch of questions that I'm excited to ask him. And I, and I know that uh, probably some of you, if, uh, if, you, if you've listened to this podcast, uh, You've def- definitely uh, heard from from these guys before, and all the good work they've done, and the groundwork they've laid for other people podcasting here in in the, the BC hunting community. So here, I want to welcome Kelly. Hey, Kelly, welcome to the podcast. Hey, Dylan, thanks, thanks for having me on. Yeah, thanks for doing this. I I um, uh, I just like I thought it would be kind of fun to reach out to some of my like buds to see how their hunting season's going and talk hunting, and, and yeah. then I. And I was like, oh, I might as well record it if I'm going to do it. And, and uh, so this is kind of my excuse to just catch up with you. And, uh, and then, and, and this makes it a little easier. I've got some, a little bit of a format, but um, yeah. so I'm super curious. Uh, you know, we, we, uh, you know, I, I've obviously been kind of watching what you guys have done since you started. I was really, uh, I was doing the Eat wild thing early, uh, but, but probably a little, little bit before you guys started your podcast. And, and mm-hmm. uh, it was just like a really natural fit for, for me to sort of follow along and, and a lot of the people that I was mentoring with Eat Wild were listening to your podcast. And, and, uh, and anyway, maybe just start with, um, how'd you guys get started on the, on the podcast? What was the original vision for the, the Rookie Hunter podcast? Yeah. Um, you know, I, well, I think first of all, like when we think about Eat Wild and Mike and I learned a little bit about what you were doing um, earlier on when we started doing our podcast. And as far as mentorship goes, like I think you're, you know, hands down, the top of the the pile, like the amount of involvement and engagement you do on your end. So um, kudos to you. Um, on our end, you know, we started, I want to say about six years ago was when we started hunting. Um, and what really kind of pushed us in that direction was uh, Mike's father had passed away uh, in about his 60s. And, um, you know, Mike had hunted with his dad growing up a little bit. And then, you know, once everybody hits high school, you know, it, both him and I got into music um, and that's kind of where we met each other and became good friends. But once that event happened, um, you know, it would have been, you know, uh, six years ago or so. That's when he kind of got, got all this gear, adopted this gear from his dad and um, kind of wanted to hunt. Like from my from my perspective, it was kind of to honor his dad and, you know, to it kind of put a light on why his dad was so into hunting and, um, you know, maybe we realized that we were missing out on, on a lot of that stuff and, mm-hmm. and just how important it was to his life. So, you know, Mike had contacted me and said, Hey, do you want to hunt? And, um, actually it was around a dinner table and we had a bunch of friends over and everybody kind of burst out laughing. Cause here's these two, you know, musician guys that aren't, you know, never hunted, you know, I hadn't hunted a day in my life. So, uh, I just said, yeah, you know, I'll be the camp cook. I'll come. Cause I like being outside. Uh, I like camping and all that kind of stuff. And we eventually got our core and pal and started, you know, we picked up some, some firearms and started practicing. It wasn't very long after that. Uh, Mike had the idea. He just said, you know, do you want to do a podcast? We'll call it rookie hunter. So he kind of had the vision and, you know, kudos to him in terms of, knowing that that was going to resonate so much with the listeners that we have because um, it it kind of generated this bridge where I feel like people connect to it pretty vicariously but but easily because it's not a it's not a high barrier to entry um, you know they kind of listen to us 
struggling with these challenges and uh, unsuccessful hunts for the most part. And, um, you know, they can latch onto it and, and learn, learn some things and they kind of feel like they're, they're progressing with us. Um, we did have a couple years of success. Um, I don't know, I think it was the second or third year we ended up, you know, harvesting some, some big animals like an elk and things like that. It kind of made us look like we were actually not rookie hunters anymore, but we still kept the name because we knew that wasn't true. You know, we just got <laughs> lucky a couple times. Um, but you know, we, we, even now, like, you know, Mike and I talk about it sometimes and we, we like the name, we want to keep it. And, um, you know, I think it just, it's really about just creating that bridge and engagement with folks that want to get into hunting and let them know, you know, it is possible. It's not as hard as you think you gotta, you know, want to do it, but you know, there's a lot of people around that'll help you and a lot of podcasts now, um, too. So, you know, I'm surprised kind of where it, it landed at the end of the day, it's been pretty successful. Um, based on what we started, we were just doing it for ourselves. We wanted to have beer and, you know, once a week and talk about what was going on and, and our hunting. So yeah, that was kind of the, the beginning. That's, that's really great. I like what you're talking about. Like, you know, one thing I like about your podcast and, and what I really enjoyed about it, it is so accessible. Like you, you guys are, you're not, you know, there's a lot of, yeah, there's a lot of bravado or macho, uh, like yep. I mean, I mean, hunting got a it's, it's got a it's got a lot of um, yeah. There is a, a lot of masculinity, a lot of that sort mm-hmm. of you know, which which can be it can be it can not be it can be not terribly a welcoming place for a lot of people who may perceive barriers or may not identify themselves with that uh, type of um, yep. you know bravado and uh, and really you guys did a really like you do a really good job of making you know really talking about hunting, discussing the barriers, thinking it through, um, you know, falling short often and, and then, and reflecting on it, which, but that's yeah. hunting, right? That really is hunting for so many of us. And, and, uh, you know, so I really enjoyed that. And, and I know that I get like a ton of positive feedback from, from the people in the well community that are very much on the same journey. And, uh, no, it's mm-hmm. been, it's been really fun to be a part of it. And it's been a long story. Like it's really, really cool to like, um, that's why I think, I think I really like about your podcast. It really is sort of a long story arc. And, uh, yeah. you know, everything, you know, from goofing around the Okanagan where you guys are and trying to figure it out. And, and, you know, in some ways, you know, it's, you guys are in a great place to be yeah. hunters because there's, it's a, it's a, it's a, it's, it is a game rich environment, but it's a, a hunting quality rich environment. Mm-hmm. Like you guys have really quality hunts around there. Yeah. Um, so it makes it really enjoyable and really accessible. Yeah. yeah and, you know, I, sometimes I find myself going back and listening to, our episodes, not because I like to hear our voices, but, um, you know, it's just, you get to relive those memories. Right. And I think most of us, like most of the hunters I know, um, they're in it for kind of two things. Like one is the meat and the other one is the story. And, you know, I think we really want to make sure that our podcast continues that story. And, and like you said, some of the, well, last year we made the story about a sheep hunt that we were going to do. Um, actually Mike and Garrett did do that sheep hunt. Um, and for listeners of our podcast, they know why I wasn't on that sheep hunt, but, um, you know, that whole year was a story about sheep hunt. And, uh, but I think, like you said, the whole podcast itself is actually just the story of, you know, two people that don't know what they're doing that are just getting into this. Um, yeah, well, I shouldn't say don't know what we're doing. Like, 
it's not, it wasn't a big stretch. It wasn't a huge leap for us to get into hunting just from the, you know, we knew how to hike, we knew how to backpack, we knew how to camp. Um, really the only difference was, you know, now you have a firearm or a weapon in your hands and, and you're trying to harvest something as opposed to just, you know, spending time outdoors. So, um, you know, we always, there's definitely, I feel folks that are starting from, you know, um, well below that line. And, um, you know, we like to try to reach out to them too and, and, uh, you know, get them involved. Yeah, absolutely. And I, you know, and I think it's interesting too, like, you, you, like I, I like that, that you've, that we were talking about the usual story arc of the, you know, going from figuring out how to mule deer hunt or maybe figure out how to have a successful bear hunt in, in grasslands or relatively low barrier terrain or low barrier hunts where the complexity is not, you know, where at, uh, when you're doing a day hunt or, a, or even an overnighter, but then as you progress towards, say, planning a, a multi-day sheep hunt, um, well, that becomes the complexity and the barriers become much bigger and more complex. Yeah. So, yeah, and and so like, yeah, so like, <laughs> you don't want to jump yeah, into so that like, one. <clears throat> no, exactly. And, and so that was kind of interesting yeah. is that you, that you continue to put more challenges in front of you, which makes for an interesting story. And as you, you know, yeah. obviously getting out on a, on a sheep hunt is, is um, yeah, you really put yourself in a much more challenging and risk, risky environment and so much yep. more to plan and think about. So, um, and uh, yeah, so you guys started out, you know, a couple buddies having a beer, Actually, we should do that. What are you having for a beer? Oh, yeah. oh. what are you having? Yeah, so I grabbed a, uh, this is um, Strange Fellows Brewery, which is West Coast. I'm not sure exactly. Do you know where they brew? Yeah. Yeah, they're on, they're on Clark in Vancouver. One of my favorites. Okay, yeah. nice. And this is the uh, Old World Pilsner, the Bell Dame or the, I think that's how you pronounce it. I'm not sure. Um, it's a great, great beer. Pilsner, I'm used to being a little, I guess, cleaner and more crisp. Like this has a lot of craftiness, I guess is a, is a word yeah, I could I like use. That. Like it, <laughs> you know, you don't, you wouldn't probably want to have five or six of them, but, uh, you know, it's, it's a good, good craft beer for sure. What do you, what do you got on your side? You know, I, I have to say I'm, uh, I'm trying to keep the calories down, trying to keep my sheep weight up or down, I should say, or anyways, I'm, I'm on the neutral. Yep. I'm on a, uh, 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 Pomplamoose neutral, great grapefruit neutral, and uh, refreshing. And uh, yeah, nice. Yeah, all this. You've got some of those in the fridge. <laughs> yeah, I find they don't <laughs> like. I find that one doesn't lead to another quite as easily as a as a nice, you know, like Pilsner beer, which can be a problem yeah. on these like COVID nights. You know, um, <laughs> speaking of yeah. sheep hunting, and uh, do you take booze with you on a sheep hunt? Like, do no. you have a no? Um, well, I think this I, last trip. Like a flask or something? No, no, no. (laughs) I brought Crystal Light and a little bit of vodka the first time, but I wasn't planning on packing any the second time. No, no. You know, like, I, I, that's one of the things I really appreciate about sheep hunting is like just the pureness of it. You just get to a place where it's just like you eat the same thing for 12 days straight. And it just like, you kind of just, you just simplify life so much. And it's all about, you know, having a good sleep and hiking for, whatever 14 hours in the day and getting into extremely good shape and it's probably the only time of the year that i really you know don't drink for that long of a period of time well it is the only time that i don't actually consume bad food and alcohol for that you know long period of time so i really value that and it kind of it kind of treated as like a like a 12-day meditation session and sort of if that like a really try good 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 dose of health you know it's a it's forced yeah it's a forced meditation session once you're out there 
it's a different world. Oh yeah. When you're grinding up for eight hours with a backpack on, like it is, you, you got to find a place of meditation just to like, yeah. you know, get through that. For Anyways, we're getting way off track here. Um, okay, so I want to ask this question. I think I've tried to ask it three times. So, so you guys, you started out with a couple of buddies drinking it, drinking a beer, talking mm-hmm. once a week about your, about your, you know, evolving passion around hunting and what you're learning. And, uh, and at some point it turned into something big, quite a bit bigger. At what point did you like kind of realize this was turning into something? And what did that look like for you guys? Yeah, uh, I would say it was about a couple years in and we knew it was going to take, you know, one or two years before we got a bit of a following. And, um, you know, the, um, I would say the following started about two years when we realized, you know, we, we have something here and, um, you know, we start thinking about, you know, what frequency are we going to start doing this? Like, how can we best build our, um, you know, engagement and, and, you know, you start thinking about how you can grow and, and what kind of topics you're going to get into. And I think, you know, I kind of feel like with, with our podcast, it was less, maybe less about, you know, what kind of hunt we were doing. Uh, Mike and I always feel like with our podcast, we want to be as authentic as possible. And I think that's kind of what, you know, was roping some audience members into the equation and, and that was going to take some time. So once we got like, you know, a couple years in, um, we started making some connections, like whether it was Chris Barker at the Wild Sheep Society BC and Wild Sheep Foundation, or, um, you know, Jeff Lander, who uh, lives in the Okanagan here, and he's an outfitter. Um, and then, you know, through some of those connections, then we started meeting um, and talking to folks like Ryan Callahan and, um, uh, you know, uh, Aaron Snyder at Kafaru and, you know, all these different people, different backgrounds, different areas. And then once we, I think, started getting into the guest world a little bit and started, you know, getting some of those guest names on the show, that's when we really saw, you know, obviously a, a spike in in listeners. But, you know, the BC podcast community, we didn't really think there was a lot coming out of BC from a hunting perspective. So we knew we had a bit of an opportunity there as well. And, um, you know, we live in a very good location like you said, for hunting anywhere in BC. So, um, you know, there's so many options, what, whatever you want to hunt. Um, most of it we can do over the counter. Um, so it definitely took a couple years, but you know, once that started, we got the, the following, we started getting engaged with a lot of the, um, societies and conservation groups, um, a lot of guests. And then we started getting invited to, um, different, conventions like the sheep show and going to a place like that uh you're meeting folks every night all day um shane mahoney um you know lots of people that we look up to on the conservation front side randy newberg's down there um so lots of people doing great work and you know lots of um workers that are good people is kind of what i noticed uh, like everybody i've met in the hunting community especially through this podcast, maybe it's the name, like they, they come into it saying, Oh yeah, I'm going to help these guys out. You know, they're rookie hunters, but everybody's been super nice. Um, and you know, we've been out of the, we put the podcast on hold for a bit this year, but that's one of the things I miss the most is just, you know, being engaged with all those people and those connections that we made, um, through the first five, six or yeah, five years of doing this podcast. So, um, yeah. And, you know, I think in short, what we noticed was just more engagement and more 
net connections and more friendly people and more fun um, getting invited to more things. And, and it kind of pushes you too. Um, I kind of like podcasting because at work uh, I have to do a lot of, you know, presentations and team meetings and, you know, all that, all that type of thing. So for me, podcasting was a little bit selfish, uh, you know, as a development tool for myself because it, it, in the podcast world, it was continually pushing us almost as if it was a career too. Um, mm-hmm. So there's a little bit of balancing happening there between, you know, work, life, and podcast. <laughs> but, yeah. uh, you know, we balanced it pretty well. And, um, you know, admittedly, Mike had, you know, uh, the he, he was carrying a lot of the production side of things, which is, which is pretty tough. But, um, yeah, you know, time, lots of time. Um, but it pays off because you get, you get to hang out with all the cool people and you get to go to, um, see some pretty cool things. The other one that pops up to mind is the, uh, Fraser river, um, Jurassic classic that we went to. Um, cool. You know, there's stuff we didn't even know about. So doing this podcast is opening our eyes to things every day. Um, and then you get to choose to be engaged in them and yeah, it's awesome. Right on, right on. So, so you mentioned you guys had a bit of break. Do you, I, I'm sure there's people interested in what's what's the break all about and what's happening there. Yeah. So, um, you know, earlier on in the year um, and throughout even to now, Mike has been going through some personal things on his side. Um, you know, a separation with his partner. So, uh, you know, we decided, like I said earlier, the the main reason that we want to podcast is, you know, to put memories down to tell a story, um, mostly for ourselves, just so we can look back on these, um, stories and show our kids and all that kind of stuff. So with him going through that tough time, um, you know, I just don't think he could kind of bring himself to, to be the person he wanted to be on the show and to be like super authentic and to be, you know, bring that to the podcast and, um, I think he's coming through the other side here. So we're both talking a lot more and, and hoping to get this thing back on the road. And, you know, I, I get the sense that he wants to get this thing going again too. And we're getting nonstop emails from people. Um, you know, where are you guys? We miss you. We love your podcast. So, um, you know, I'm really hoping that we can get this thing on the road. Yeah, right on. I mean, so are you, I, yeah, I, mean, I can, I just kind of, the, as you mentioned, like there's like the work, the work job, and then there's the podcast career, and then there's the family. <laughs> yeah. Like, I, I can see how that gets. I mean, I, I can see how we get very wear. It's just hard to balance it all. It's quite wearing, and I, you know, I, I wish yeah. Mike the best. And as I know, I'm sure that's you know trying to balance everything, and and uh, yeah, no doubt a tough time. But uh, you know, it is it is something you totally can't take a step back from, and and uh, you know, people are all going to be here when when you guys get back. So you know, yeah, definitely. Um, it seems yeah, that so way. Looking oh, 100%. at the inbox. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, 100%. I'm sure it'll be, even it'll be exciting when you guys come back. So, um, are, are you enjoying the break? Like, what do you, like, how, uh, how, how is the break for you? Well, you know, I, I do really want to get back into it. I also want to be hunting a lot more. But, you know, this year with James, he was born uh, last August. So, you know, it's been, he's the best, but it's just been very busy. Um, and you know, I think the biggest thing for all of us is just COVID and dealing with that and whether you have to work from home or, or whatever. So there's like all these layers this year. Um, we didn't put too much time into planning hunts this year just because we didn't know, you know, when we originally started talking about it, 
a lot of the provincial parks have been shut down, which I know you're super familiar with. <laughs> um, and we didn't yeah. really know, you know, what happens, like what, what if we apply for all these things and we don't get them and you know, what's going to be open, what's going to be closed, what happens if there's a second wave. And obviously, you know, Mike was going through some, some things and, and I kind of took it as like, you know, maybe this is a kind of a good year to take a bit of a break, you know, I'll, I'll get out for day hunts, but as far as like planning a two week hunt, maybe I'll save that for 2021 and, you know, focus on, on family. And so that's kind of where I'm at. And, uh, it's been good, you know, just working and it's, everything's busy. I'm kind of doing triple duty right now because my wife just got out of knee surgery today. My dog was in leg surgery last week and, uh, and then we got James. So we've got some help here. We've got in-laws here this week. My parents were up last week and I've still managed to get out for two day hunts, but I squeeze those in before Bree went went in today so yeah i guess whirlwind it would be hashtag whirlwind that's my hashtag, well you're making the most of it so I, we did check <laughs> in i checked in with you a little bit about your hunting season and that was kind of where we're going next is that how is the hunting season it sounds like it's a little bit truncated or maybe a little bit quiet this year but you've had a couple yep. cool hunts and, and uh what's been the highlight so so far this year uh so yeah i, I kind of missed spring like turkey bear um focused a lot on fishing um this summer a lot of rainbow trout at Okanagan Lake. And then the Osuyas uh, Lake, they open up sockeye salmon every once in a while. This year they opened it up and it was a huge, uh, like a huge run. I think they had like 160,000 sockeye come wow. into the lake or something. I turned my wow. fish finder on. or I, I left the house here at like three in the morning, I drove down to Osuyas, launched the boat because I figured it's going to be just a, you know, when that o- fishery opens, the boat launch is just insane. So I'm... I'm going to get down there early. I'm going to get in the boat. I got there too early. I was floating around in the boat um, in the dark for a while there by myself. And then I realized it's probably a good idea to have a light on it. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but I, I flicked the sonar on and it was just like thousands of lines, you know, just yeah. fish everywhere. So, you know, yeah. I knew right away, like uh, 40, 70 feet, boom, got my, my limit headed out of there i was back by 10 in the morning <laughs> that's amazing um, yeah um so, so how, how are you how do you catch how do you i'm curious because I, I find sockeye a little hard to catch so how do you yeah. catch you in a lake what, what what's the going well, this, going gig this would be similar to i guess like like offshore salmon fishing or or even kokanee fishing like you have some sort of flasher dodger yeah. um setup so i had like you know your typical 11 inch flasher that you'd use for ocean fishing yeah. for salmon yeah and then i don't know like two and a half feet to uh a hoochie but probably smaller than you would use in the ocean and um yeah. you know just kind of nice and slow like 1.5 1.8 miles an hour um yeah. i had my my downriggers and um and my sonar so i kind of knew where they were and yeah it was just a matter of time Wow. Okay. So, I, yeah. I, I've trolled through like giant schools of sockeye back and forth for hours and like not had a single bite. And then like, you'll get, yeah. you'll get six in a minute. <laughs> like, yep. I, it's totally a mystery to me. <laughs> yeah. And you know, they're finicky. Cause I had one set up on one side of the boat. They didn't, I, you know, I, I caught two. That's the limit. I caught two okay. on one side of the boat and I got three other bites on the same side of the boat. I didn't get one single bite on the other side. So yeah. Th- that's another mystery. Like I'll yeah. I'll go salmon fishing for, for like 
two straight, two three straight days, and not and just get hits on only one side. Like <laughs> yeah. it's just like I was, and then you're like, okay, that's definitely the hot side of the boat. So then you claim that side of the boat when you're going because usually you, you pick a side and you run the gear on that side, and then yeah. you think you're yeah. that was smart your party because you grab the hot side, and then now it's the other side that's the hot side, yeah. right? But yeah, you but never yeah. know. Never so, know. Hot side of the boat. Um, so after summer, uh, that was when I figured, you know, I kind of want this year to be about mule deer. Um, I haven't, I haven't harvested a, a larger buck or even a, like anything bigger than two point buck. So I kind of thought, you know, Mike, Mike harvested this four point buck. Um, I think in our second or third year of hunting. And then when he, sh- when he shot that buck, I kind of did a Euro mount for him with it. So I did that in the backyard cool. and it turned out really well. So he's always said, you know, if you get a four point buck, then I'm going to do the same thing for you. And we'll kind of trade that off. So, you know, I had it in my head this year that I wanted to spend some time doing that. And I knew that it was a species that I could hunt without, you know, like I said, going too far from home. So, mm-hmm. uh, yeah, I've been focusing on that and I've got out for, I want to say one, two, three, four or five day hunts. Um, and each one, you know, each one has its stories. Um, and I believe the, I would say four of them have been, well, three of them were with my dad and one of them was with my father-in-law. And then I went out with my buddy once too. So yeah, it's been really cool. So I, I got to kind of, I, so you were telling me that your, your dad is, is not like when you say go hunt with your dad, I mean, the first thing that pops in your head is like, oh yeah, your old dad that hunts, but he, he, he <laughs> yeah. didn't hunt. It's just sort of a new thing. So no. tell me about that. Yeah. So you know, my dad uh, taught me everything I know about camping and skiing and hiking and and doing all that kind of stuff. We I grew up in the Kootenays, so you know we were outdoors folks right from the beginning. But I never hunted growing up, and I never saw him hunt growing up. But when he was growing up, he, you know, my grandpa hunted a lot, and uh, he went out with him, you know, quite a bit. And I just don't think that it ever. You know, it just didn't stick with them. You know, maybe similar to Mike, like, you know, you get into high school and you just get interested in other things. And then, you know, it just never, it just never turned in that direction. And um, so fast forward, like, what, 30 years, 40 years later. And um, now your son, who's never talked about hunting once in his life, now starts hunting at like 29 years old. And even then, you know, when I remember when I first started hunting, it was kind of like, oh, you know, like, are you sure you want to, are you sure? Like, do, 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 you, do you just want to be the camp chef or like, you know, do you want to just hike? Like, could you pull the trigger? There's kind of like all these questions and doubts, right? Um, and I just knew like, I don't, I don't know, like I'm, I'm really interested in food. That was kind of the one thing that kept me driving in that direction was like, you know, I'm really interested in food. I kind of want to get some for myself. Um, you know, it, earlier on, it wasn't like, I don't think he was like, yeah, I'm going to get into hunting too. So then, you know, fast forward another five years and the podcast and everything, and he's been following our podcast. And I think it's cool because like, you know, I've seen our podcast influence folks, but I was kind of watching it in real time with him. And it it was kind of like, I don't know if desensitizing is the right word or Mm -hmm. maybe like familiarizing is the right word with the process and the story and like, why are we doing this in the first place? And then I could just see the light switching and, you know, one day he just said, oh, I'm, I signed up to get my core and my pal. And that was last year. So he did that. And, um, this year I've just been, you know, we've been getting out a couple times. So, um, 
yeah, that was really cool. And, you know, I wasn't even expecting it really. Um, so it's been really cool to watch and I'm sure like a, a good portion of it is, you know, uh, we we do things together all the time so a lot of it is like you know i want to keep doing stuff i want to hang out i want to go outdoors so like i got my pal and we're gonna do this together too so you know there's some of that as well um so but it's all good so 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 has he had any rookie mistakes yet (laughs) uh rookie mistakes you know the one thing i i see is probably i find i'm generally spotting the deer so far um, and when I say like, you know, there's a deer over there and then I, I try to be like, you know, okay, just don't move, but there's a deer. And then he's like <laughs> super interested in seeing the deer. So like automatically he's already moving over. Like he just wants to see the deer. Um, yeah, yeah. so it's kind of like, you know, that's the one thing that jumps out at me is just, you know, when someone gives you the signal, like just stay still and let them evaluate yeah. what the next step is going to be before you start making the next steps. Right. Um, but you know, I, I feel like he's definitely more interested in being out there and seeing wildlife. Um, I, we haven't been in the situation yet, but I think he's going to have a, a bit of a tough time pulling the trigger. Um, at least the first time. Um, and I think most people do. I mean, people have a tough time pulling the trigger even after the hundredth time. Um, you know, to do the implications of what you're doing, but, um, yeah, we'll see how that goes. We haven't, you know, I didn't really, we didn't find anything legal. The first time we went out, we saw two three-point bucks, and that was in four-point season, so we had a bit of excitement there. Um, The next day we went out, we saw a moose at like 93 yards, two black bears, a coyote, and mule deer, and a bunch of grouse, and I didn't even have my twenty-two, which was, I mean, that's a rookie mistake on my part because that would have been a really cool day i mean we could have had we could have easily limited out one of us on grouse that day which would have been a really cool like small game day right well that's a great uh, and like you're talking about the pull pulling the trigger part and like that that takes some you know got to build up some confidence especially as it comes to like pulling the trigger on a deer and uh, and that's what's great about grouse i mean like it's the same process like you see your nervous is all hell like and you got to calm yourself down and you know get it you know get get still and, and and take aim and then and then there's all the other process like i've seen people miss grouse or injure grouse and they've flown, flown away and that's also part of that like the process and realizing the consequences of pulling that trigger and like it, there's lots there so it's a great exactly, it's a great yeah. mentor yeah a great way to mentor people is a little bit of small game to learn a few lessons and get build some yeah. confidence exactly and then we went out a third time and uh you know kind of again looking for mule deer and we got to this one spot and i'm like okay this ridge right here that looks like where mule deer would be and uh we're trying to figure out like what we should do and we kind of play in the wind a little bit we decided we were going to walk up the ridge and kind of like peek over over the edge so we walk up on top of this ridge and of course like there's three does staring at us right away um so we two of the does kind of you know, lazily walked over the end of the ridge and, um, there was a crosswind. So they didn't really know what we were. I don't think there was kind of like, you know how mule deer always kind of leave one doe to kind of just be the spotter while everyone else kind of walks away a little bit. So this one doe is kind (laughs) of staring at us for a good 20 minutes. And I'm like, Hey, we're just going to wait her out. Like, let's not spook her. Let's just let her do her thing. 
and then she's just going to crawl away lazily and then we'll just you know slowly follow them and just see if there's anything else sitting there so that happened and you know there there didn't end up being any bucks around at, or they may have already taken off because we walk, walked up the ridge anyways we peek over the first thing we do is peek over and there's a four point deadhead sitting right right there and i'm like oh there you go there's the perfect buck spot and it's just that he's already dead <laughs> okay so when you say a deadhead you mean there's a it's a it's a skull with with the four point antler on it yeah okay okay yeah okay so yeah, you're just, you're basically died there of old exactly. age yeah because yeah <laughs> and I, it must have been old age because you know it didn't look like a hunter scene at all and you know and uh i don't know the the other thing is i feel like if it was predator based you know why would he be in the spot that looked just like his home without yeah. having tried to escape it so um it could have just been an old age and he picked a good spot to you know call it quits good view it's pretty cool yeah. finding it actually yeah, well, if it's winter range and it's sort of a steep, south-facing slope, yeah. uh, you know, with a good view, that's we're a little bed down in the middle of winter. If if the yeah low snowpack and a little bit of sun to maybe keep warm and yeah, yeah maybe just expired right there. Yeah, it was cool. Also, you got are you gonna try and get back there before the end of the season? Well, I actually did go back there yesterday. So my father's up this, my father-in-law's up this week, Randy. So I said, oh hey, we found this ridge, and there there was like ten does walking around it there's got to be a buck there and we also found this this dead deer um that was a four point so we went back the same spot we d- we took a bit of a different route we kind of walked around the ridge instead of going up it and then um you know after we checked all that we tried some other areas but it's a really cool spot um uh you know i kind of like looking for forest fires and things like that to um, you know, maybe more recent ones and really old ones, really old ones get a little tough once everything starts growing yeah. in. But, uh, <laughs> um, yeah, I kind of like looking for areas like that. We went in there again and we found more does. So we just haven't stumbled across a buck yet. <laughs> so this, this weekend, oh, what day, so this weekend will be what the eighth, ninth or something like that. Sixth, seventh, eighth. Uh, yeah. Seventh, eighth, I think. So you guys wrap up there on the ninth, I think, as it closes up for you guys. So yeah, ninth or tenth. Uh, yeah. So I I think the certainly the best days like well yeah uh, if you can be if you can hunt that eighth eighth ninth and tenth um, right so I my sort of I think it's the peak activity for for mule deer. Yep. So that's the day that that's the day that the, the brother of the one that's dead is going to show up and be like, I'm the <laughs> boss. Where are all yep. these does? Let's make this happen. Nice. Yeah. So yeah, if you can get away, yeah. but it sounds you got some negotiating to do between a, a broken dog, a, bro, a broken <laughs> wife, and a, and a baby. <laughs> so yeah, but. I feel like I got lucky sneaking those ones in, but um, yeah, we'll see what happens. Yeah, for sure. Well, how, so but it must be just that you know I, I really like I was lucky. I, I you know I grew up hunting with my dad, and that was like a you know just awesome to be able to a well for, for mm-hmm. one learn from someone that can share all those skills and all that knowledge, but. You know, as I got older into my teenage years, it was just you know like you know making the time to spend with your with your dad. And as a teenager, you know you want to spend less and less time with your parents. And yeah. but you know I liked hunting enough that it kept me really connected with my dad. And and yeah. then after I went, um, even after you go to university and you grow up and you have sort of a professional life and, and live life, it's great to have that really like that great excuse to come back and reconnect with with uh, 
with your with you know the people you love and and family and mm-hmm. make that one week a year or a couple of trips a year and you make time for that and it's great yeah. that you you you're going to build that into the next hopefully 20 years of your hunting life and uh yeah. with your dad and it's a special thing yeah you know what i'd like to do is um well maybe i'll save that i think you'd like to to you know ask about the dream hunt later so i, I won't go into that right now but yeah it's really cool um you know we had I would say music probably up until hunting was, you know, the big thing that, that we always did together. Um, I played guitar for 20, probably over 20 years now. Um, so, you know, that's kind of like the, the main thing in my life, I would say, as far as hobbies go, but hunting, you know, it's a funny thing. It just kind of takes over. Um, and it doesn't take long (laughs) to become an obsession. So I think it's going to happen to him too. But, uh, yeah, you're right. Like, you know, especially those hunts where you get the camp going and, you know, you get, uh, even a couple families together, like, um, you know, some hunting partners and their families and, you know, there, there's a lot of cool things about it and it really forces you to kind of go back and spend that amount of time. Like it's hard to book a one or two week vacation with the whole family and say, okay, we're doing this every year. But with hunting, you know, people really make it a priority and, you know, we'll definitely have to set some of those trips up. And even right now, like just this first year and and doing the day hunts, you know, usually the dad is the hunter that mentors the son. And right now for us, it's a little bit of a reverse role, which I think we're both kind of enjoying. Like he's enjoying spending time and, you know, kind of listening to what I'm thinking as I'm going through there. And, And I like hunting with people and kind of explaining you know, and I don't claim to be like a super experienced hunter, but, uh, I like kind of going through the process and I like other people being successful too. Um, you know, we went out last year with my buddy Kyle and he got his first buck and we did a podcast about that and it's almost more fun than getting your own deer. It's just kind of helping someone else get theirs. So, and you still get, you know, you still get meat and it's, uh, you know, that's the big bonus is you get a bunch of meat at the end of the day. It doesn't really matter who pulls the trigger. (laughs) No, no, it does. And it's been the highlight of my season is uh, I, I was along for the ride with Mickey, who uh, is, is my, my friend I spent a lot of time with. And uh, and I, I'm not going to tell the story because I'm going to let her tell the story. I'm going to find a way to get together with a couple other um, um, sort of uh, new female hunters that have got a couple of cool stories to tell. So I'm going to try and tell that in, in a podcast when we get a chance. Um, yep. But uh, yeah, definitely just that experience of like being there with somebody as they just go through those like, like, like transformative moments like yeah just like life will never be the same like the, your understanding of an, of an experience will never like or you'll be able to relive that experience over and over again and, and it's amazing like like i can still think back to the first you know the first my first buck experience at 13 years old and so intense like it's still there like i just yeah. can fall back with that moment and like and and everything that happened after that like it's just such a such powerful life-changing moments and to be there along with somebody as they're, as they're experiencing it. And then knowing how significant it's going to be for the rest of their life. Like, like your life's never going to be the same, man, because now you, you are hooked on being a hunter and this is like, you're going to want to come back to this experience over and over again, whether it's in your memories or retelling the story or better yet going out and trying to re-experiencing it by on pursuit of the hunt. It's, it's, uh, yeah, it's cool to be there for that for sure. Definitely. 
Cool. Okay. So we just we're sort of talking about mentoring and I, and I, and I was thinking about some common ground that, that we have with, you know, with, with the, you know, what we're passionate about and certainly like um, mentoring is something that is a, is a big piece of what, you know, what I get excited about with, with Eat Wild. And it's certainly, you know, I think what you guys have done an amazing job with doing the Rookie Hunter podcast is, is, is really supporting a lot of people. Um, I'm curious, like, like it must be a fairly common question about like how to, you know, how, uh, from new hunters like how do like how do i how do i how do i meet someone to hunt with or how do i find mentors to hunt with and mm-hmm. and is that a I'm, I'm sure you hear that a lot and, and what do you tell people when you hear when you when they hear that or you when you when you get that question yeah um we do get that question and in some cases we've actually connected like help connect them to people and yeah. in in a lot of cases it's worked out to be pretty successful so Um, you know, that's kind of cool is just being able to help folks, you know, and then there's, there's always resources like forums and things like that. But, you know, I don't really spend a lot of time in them anymore. Um, I kind of like, you know, well, what you're doing, right? Like you're engaging not just through podcasts, but like physically, like if you want to take classes on how to do this or you'll take people out. So, you know, we point a lot of people in your direction <laughs> and, uh, nice. you know, we, we ask folks to, you know, listen to some of our podcasts, like some specific ones, like when Jesse's on or, you know, when Chris is on, like folks that are kind of talking about, you know, BCWF or conservation groups and things like that, just to kind of get them listening to that type of thing. Like, you know, with hunting conservation is either forefront or it's, very close behind, especially for a rookie hunter, takes a little bit of time to make that, that, that flip. Um, but yeah, I don't know. It is a tough one. I find, um, there is game clubs around and we Mm -hmm. encourage folks to reach out to them, but I I don't know. What, what, do you have any advice on that front? I, I think the, um, uh, like I, I know that one of the things I would like to do more of is like, and the, and the feedback has been awesome. Like when we do like, more social events like we you know when we do a you know our wild feast or when we do like um you know any of our like sausage making parties or stuff like that that's like ton of fun yeah. and, and people love it and but there's i mean there's a barrier to entry i mean it costs money to put all that stuff together and um yeah. uh, but i think that people just want to connect and hang out and and uh be around other people in the community and i if i had a way of you know um i i've thought a lot about how do i create an environment where people can come and socialize and, and hang out together as hunters in a constructive way. And, and, you know, as I was sort of thinking about this and, and trying to find ways of doing it uh, within the Wheat Wild community, it, it, it sort of landed with the, the backcountry hunters and anglers sort of yeah. sort of came into being in the lower mainland. Mark uh, Robichaud uh, here for region two um, really, you know, took the lead and, and, uh, uh, established a core group of, of volunteers and I, I was on board early with that community because I, I really got excited about um, just seeing all these young hunters sort of gathering together and talking about conservation and and just mm-hmm. the format was great because like like you come and you hang out for one Thursday a month you have a couple of pints and then just every time I'd come back to another meeting there'd be like 20% more like young hunters and there was some diversity amongst the community which was cool to see like um mm-hmm. it wasn't just a bunch of old dudes it was a bunch of you know there's lots of there's lots of there's people of color there's lots of women there's people from different orientations like it was cool like i was like oh this is cool yeah. so like 
this is where we need to invest. This is where we really need to invest time because um, this is a great community of people that, you know, if, if we if we foster the culture here in a way that's like talking about conservation, talking about inclusivity around hunting, talking about really positive themes, this could be a great, great place, a great uh, <laughs> network. And I, and I think it's sort of, you know, I see this taking on a bit of a life, at least here in, the, in Region 2, and I'm seeing backcountry hunters and anglers popping up in lots of other places here in BC. How, how, how's the chapter looking out your way in Region 8? Yeah, I, as you were saying that, I'm like, yes, BHA Pint Nights, that's the place. Like, we have to encourage people to go there. And, and, you know, Mike and I have done that too on our podcast is, you know, just encourage people to go there, meet people. I think once you meet, and everyone's friendly there, so, you know, nobody has to be afraid to go to these pint nights. Um, I know it can be a little intimidating, but, um, you know, we've successfully encouraged folks to go just, you know, just go check it out, spend a night, have a beer. Um, and from what I know in the Okanagan, uh, region, it continued to grow and they had to move from one venue to another and, um, everything was going, you know, and continues to go well on that front. Um, admittedly, I would like to spend a little more time going to them myself. And I know Mike does too. Um, you know, we are quite busy with the podcast and work and the whole three way Mm -hmm. work life balance thing, but I would totally agree that that is where we need to invest in BC is, the um, BHA pint nights, like they're nailing it with, with the message on that. Yeah. Yeah. It's the community too, that people are looking for. And it's like a, yeah. And it's yeah. a great place to start with like, you know, you know, we're trying to get people started out with that view of conservation first and, yep. and, uh, and, and developing a set of ethics that's, you know, really like um, palatable and accept- accessible, acceptable to the rest of society. Like that's a really important one is that, you know, we got to be speaking mm-hmm. a language that people, uh, um, you know, find, you know, comfortable to be around and, and, and it somehow works within the context of our modern society. And, and, uh, exactly. and I think, think that's kind of, I, I feel like we, we, I don't know if it's just, just the region too, but I sort of see across the board, like BHA is pretty, pretty careful about how they present themselves and, and the messaging. So, um, yeah, definitely it's conservation first and yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I, I t- we talked about this a little bit on Mark's podcast, but, um, you know, I do think we kind of get a little bit trapped in like the, should we defend what we're doing and how we're saying things? Like, cause you know, you can talk to other hunters and you can use a lot of words that, you know, aren't going to shock that person because you're all, you all familiar, you know, the context, like that's not the issue, right? Yeah. It's when we're talking to, um, the people outside of the hunting community. And, uh, you know, I think we have to be a, a we have to think kind of how we're presenting ourselves there, what language we're using, um, you know, how we want to be viewed in that space. But yeah, I think, you know, a lot of folks get trapped on, you know, well, why should I have to do that? Like, I know I'm not doing anything wrong and, you know, screw everybody, you know, this is, you know, it's my right. But, you know, I just worry that, you know, it's only your right until somebody takes it away. And, you know, why wouldn't we want to just, think about how we're presenting, make sure that we're actually telling the story. Like, I think that's yeah. just the biggest thing. Like, let's just make sure we're telling the story and we're not just, you know, flipping images and words at people that they don't understand and they ultimately aren't going to like you for it. So, I, I mean, we all know that taking an animal's life isn't just a flipping thing. Mm-hmm. And we know we're doing it for the right reason, but, you know, a lot of people don't think that way. They don't know why we're doing it. So, yeah, you know, we got to approach it the right way and, and hopefully get more people engaged. 
and uh, we get to continue doing this. And, you know, my son continues doing it and his son continues doing it, or daughter. And, you know, that's where I'd like to see it go. So I think totally. the conservation first thing is, is huge. Like BHA bringing people in, not just to hunting, but like into conservation. That's, that's massive. Yeah. And I think that, yeah, for sure. I think it's a big, it's a great place to start. And, and I think that, you know, like there's something to be said for like community and mm-hmm. building community. And then, and, uh, and if you can kind of like, I think, I think that's the part that like most people don't totally understand is like, what does the way of life look like for a hunter? And, 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 and I think if you can tell that story, it's a pretty cool story. Like it, it kind of like it, it's certainly a lot more palatable than, than just taking the snapshot of, of someone standing over a dead animal and like, yeah. like about, you know, everything it starts with, you know, you know, planning these trips into wilderness and getting excited about it and researching and, you know, hanging out with your friends, getting excited. And then you go on these adventures and you're in these beautiful places and you're, you know, connecting with nature and, and, and yeah, maybe you do kill something and you have like all this meat that you cherish and take care of through that whole process and then, come home and butcher it and share it with your friends and family mm-hmm. eat and all these wonderful things. And then, and then you you spend your winters, you know, advocating for the protection of that place. You just were hanging out in. Right. So it's a great story. I think it's, it's kind of interesting. And I think as you yep. can tell that whole story or, or, or hold someone's attention long enough or find ways to like introduce that to people. And, and, and I, you know, I think that's the, the community piece. I understand that's what that community, you know, is trying to do and the way they want to live a life. that's like that. And, I don't know. I think it's kind of cool. Yeah. But anyway, it's a great place to start. So mentorship, I think for sure, that's an easy win. Like, you know, getting getting involved with BHA. There's a BHA probably in every region in BC and a great place mm-hmm. to start. And, um, you know, I know that still probably not as a, you know, for a lot of people, like, um, you know, it's probably not as, in, there's probably some, <laughs> I just did my uh, diversity inclusion training. I work for provincial yep. government and, and we yep. did this piece of, really cool piece of work, right? Like it's where you're just trying to like get better like with our language around understanding other people's experiences and trying to make sure that people feel safe and supported and comfortable when they're in a conversation or in a meeting or in a workplace. And, and, uh, you know, I, I really believe in that stuff and I think it's super important and, and something that I definitely like try to bring into every class that I do. Mm-hmm. Um, but man, it's, it's, it's like, I learned a lot and as someone I feel kind of switched on for that kind of stuff already. It's like, Oh man, I learned so much. I'm like, I'm like, hey, maybe I should do a diversity inclusion training for, for the backcountry hunters and anglers. And then that way we can continue to build a more, you know, welcoming environment and stuff. So. Yep. Um, Absolutely. Well, the thing is, like, you know, diverse I and D it's, it makes you stronger. Like whether it's your company or your team or, you know, the hunting community, if we have more inclusion and diversity, um, we'll be stronger as a group too. So, um, you know, I, I just definitely encourage that. Well, I certainly don't think a lot of people, I mean, the big part is, uh, we were looking at the context of like parks and, and like how often do people go to yeah. parks and they see people like themselves in parks and, and, um, and, and, you know, certainly if we don't see a whole lot of white, you know, sorry, you see a lot of white park rangers. You don't see a lot of people of different nationalities or different different mm-hmm. backgrounds that are managing parks. And so, like, if that's a career you might be interested in, well, we should try and find a way to create some, you know, a more inclusive and supportive work environment to attract more people from different backgrounds to want to come and yeah. come and work in the in, in this space. But like, it's yeah, like we don't see a lot of diversity in the hunting community we we're doing pretty good on like attracting women and make you know making you know space for women to be part of 
what we do, but there's that's the next step is to try and find ways. To, and I and I know that like there's a ton of interest within mm-hmm. different communities in Vancouver who want to learn yep. to hunt, but boys are a lot of racism towards people who are trying to find their way to becoming yep. hunters and. Um, yeah, and that's something that we have to work on for sure. Yep, for sure. Yeah, and uh, just, uh, you know, engaging and inviting to these events, I think, is a great place to start. Yeah, for sure. Well, that's something yeah. to think about. Maybe I'll do, yeah, we should, uh, that's on the podcast list for sure, to get someone to come in and talk <laughs> about that. Definitely. So figure, figure that one out next. Okay, where are we heading next? Okay, so I'm I'm, I'm excited about... Uh, um, Hunting season. So the rest of your hunting season, you still got a little bit of time. You got you got any more plans for for the rest of your season? Yeah, I mean, I, I won't. Like you said, I only got a few days of mule deer left, and I don't know if I'm going to be able to hit them. But I, I'm going to try to get out for a day hunt, and I'll let you know if that turns out to be successful or not. Um, and then I get. I think from there, the only thing that's really open is whitetail. So I might be able to head out for a whitetail hunt or. If a couple of folks I know um, end up putting up a camp, like sometimes they do a December deer camp, um, and yeah. I don't think it's been like super successful over the past couple of years. But again, it's like a good place to go, hang out with your buddies, throw up some wall tents, have a good time. So, um, you know, I, I don't have anything, uh, I guess, too out of the ordinary coming up here. Yeah, you got. You're not far from like really good whitetail hunting. You're like no. No, it's it's really cool because it's (laughs) really good mule deer hunting and really good whitetail hunting. Although I don't, you know, for people that listen to our podcast, um, not a huge whitetail hunter, um, definitely need to get a little bit better at that. Um, I might have to call you for that. (laughs) That's my, yeah, I, I'd be happy to talk to you about that in a longer conversation for sure. It's definitely my favorite. Uh, I learned, I learned how to hunt whitetail and yeah. And so you, you, you might have heard me say, I don't know if it, but like, if you can, if you can figure out how to kill a whitetail walking through the woods in yep. the Okanagan, you can do any, you can kill anything in BC. And like, that's such a great, it's such it. a, yeah. So, and then and like, it just kind of puts all the lessons of hunting into a little microcosm of a hunt. You just got to puzzle yeah. out so many little things and you yeah. only have to go 200 yards, you know, because yeah. like there's basically <laughs> a whitetail within 200 yards of wherever you are hunt in, in, in quality whitetail habitat. It's just up to you if you could if you could figure out how to sneak up on them or be yeah. patient enough for them to walk by you. No, it's my Yo- favorite for sure. Yoga, I feel like you're constantly in a yoga pose <laughs> in the Okanagan. Anyway, like there's just so much stuff to step over. It's just a constant <laughs> yoga in yoga all day. Yeah. Try not to make I, noise. It's just like a it's a full body workout, like going <laughs> yeah. at like sloth speed. Like it's so yeah. funny. <laughs> I know Definitely. that, like, I, I sort of have this time, point in time where, like, I'll be, I'm really good, like, if I'm, you know, from till about, like, 10 o'clock, if I'm sneaking around, I'm really good and quiet, and then as soon as 11 o'clock hits, like, I, I can feel my body fatigue, and I make, like, 10 times as much noise. I just, like, <laughs> my feet come down harder, I'm just not as careful. I'm like, okay, time to go back yeah. to the truck, like, this is hopeless now, like, <laughs> it doesn't work once you lose that edge, like that. Yeah. So... No, I, I love it. Okay, well, we, we'll uh, maybe a little when we, we get offline here, we'll chat a little bit about uh, whitetail white hunting and um, we'll give you For some sure. ideas locally there. And um, but hey, before we okay, we're we're getting close to an hour here, so we're actually perfectly on time, and we kind of covered off pretty much everything we were trying to set out to do here. So I'm I'm pretty pleased with that with us here. But I do want to ask you about and is 
is uh, what you, so you, you've been at this thing for a while. You've been like, you've, you've definitely been, you know, you've, you've gone on some cool hunts, but you must sort of be angling towards a dream hunt by now that you're maybe putting together here in the next couple, three years. Um, mm-hmm. What, what would your dream hunt be here in BC that you want to put together? Um, time, time and resources um, are not a barrier. Mm-hmm. I feel like we were putting together a sheep or a sheep hunt last year. And I felt like I was building, you know, Mike and I were building that dream hunt last year. And, uh, you know, I, I, I skipped out on that hunt because of a bigger dream, which was, you know, our first born. Um, so I did not go on that hunt, but still on the top of my list is, you know, a, a stone sheep, I would say, um, stone sheep hunt. And that would be a fly-in going to a remote area. Um, I just think there's something really cool about the stone sheep and the fact that they're like pretty much isolated to BC, like BC is responsible for them. Um, you know, th- there's a lot to be said for the sheep hunting community in terms of conservation and things like that. Um, and it's also, you know, I don't know, just the location where they are. But the one that's coming up and becoming, you know, it's kind of climbing the list and it might even be tied with that right now is going in again, it would be a fly in Northern hunt. Um, but maybe for caribou and or moose and going in with my dad. Um, yeah. Uh, and that, you know, Mike and I have talked a little bit about that. So we'll see, you know, if that happens one day, but you know, I just feel like sheep or goat might be a little too technical um, at this point. Like, I mean, that's a pretty demanding hunt. Um, so it'd be, but it would still be nice to kind of go into that area, like do the fly-in, go up north, mm-hmm. um, but maybe focus on something that's a little, you know, not at the top of the very top of the peak. Um, mm-hmm. You know, look for some caribou or some moose. I know caribou and moose are both really high on Mike's list as well. Um, moose because of the connection to his dad and then Mm -hmm. you know caribou for both of us because you know that's why we picked that that logo for our podcast is just the significance of conservation and you know what caribou mean to bc and the fact that you know there might come a time where we may not ever be able to hunt them and Mm -hmm. you know there's there's kind of two sides to that coin it's like you know do i want to hunt one because of that or you know do we should we take the opportunity when we can get it kind of thing um, but I love to harvest, um, a caribou and just, you know, the whole trip father, son, that would be the top of the list for sure. That sounds amazing. I, I can, I, I, uh, there's definitely something to be said for that, for the type of hunt too. Cause it's, there's a, uh, a little bit like sheep hunting is awesome, but like there's mm-hmm. not off, there's often a lot of action. Like there's, you can yeah. have days where there's just nothing happening. And, um, yeah. you know, my experience with, with, caribou hunts and hunting is you kind of there's there's just a little bit more excitement every day there you you can get on animals pretty regularly and and have a fairly mm-hmm. reasonable chance of something something positive how well yeah maybe killing an animal on that whole then the whole trip takes a whole other dimension right um, whereas yep. i guess i guess my in my mind sheep hunting is just there's only one dimension that's just looking at sheep i haven't figured out the next <laughs> dimension of actually killing something <laughs> yeah you really have to you know just love sheep in their country and really want to walk yeah. a lot <laughs> yeah no what i it, it, like i was kind of open the podcast with just sort of like this is i considered a 12-day meditation <laughs> yeah 
Exactly. Yeah, <laughs> that's kind of more of like a, I feel like sheep hunting or goat hunting up there is more like just a personal, it's like a personal battle that you want to overcome. But like for the, for the hunt with my dad, I'd rather do a, more of a caribou moose, like a team, kind of that, I don't know. Like you said, it's more action. It's kind of more teamwork. It's more, you know, a little more camp life and a little more like that. Yeah. 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 hundred percent. That's how you nailed it. That, those are all the things that I, especially with a hunt with your dad and yeah. It, yeah. He's a, a relatively new hunter too. You want to have some success and, and yeah. create that. Yeah. Well, multi-dimensional <laughs> experience. So that's cool. You're maybe not uncomfortable all the time. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, totally. It's just generally uncomfortable. There was that was a quote yeah. from Mike Bridger on the sheep podcast we did. It's like I kind of see sheep hunting as just like just various stages of uncomfortableness. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Yeah, for sure. Hey Kelly, this has been tons of fun, man. It's really great to catch up and it seems like you're doing just awesome and, and congratulations on the baby and and uh I, I do hope you get back out and uh go find that that four points brother sitting on the ridge over the weekend and um, I'll, I'm going to tell you where we're going to be camped. Yeah, I'm gonna be tell, when we get offline here, I'll tell you where, I, where I'll be camped, Whitetail Hunt, not too far from you. So I hope you can pop over there for the day to our Whitetail Camp and uh, hang out. So anyways, Kelly, thanks so much. Where can people find you if they're looking for you? Awesome. Um, they can find us online, uh, therookiehunter.com. And, um, you know, our podcast is, is everywhere. Uh, iTunes, Spotify, you know, all the, all the podcast areas. So, um, and then we're on Instagram and Twitter as well. Um, I guess more so on Instagram. Um, so yeah, folks can check us out there. Cool. Okay. Well, thanks for doing this. And, um, anyways, folks, thanks again for hanging out with us here. And, um, yeah, if you haven't already done it, download the wild app. If you're checking this out during hunting season, it'd be a great tool to have in your pocket while you're out hunting on your next trip. Um, we're doing, uh, webinars here to help you be a better hunter and, uh, yeah, just uh, keep in touch. We're on Instagram, and we'll see you there. All right. Take care.